the second thing was, I think just the, the basic experience of accepting that every part of our life as we go through it is there giving us some sort of tool for something else that comes down the line. And so the ability to spend seven years practicing getting up on a stage and learning to not have that stage fright or the fear or the bashfulness, uh, kind of the, in a lot of ways, the things that stop people from going and doing the things they're excited about. So I don't know, maybe if I showed up at 20 and I started learning, maybe I would be afraid to get in front of a camera or get up on a stage or teach. And, um, it was a great opportunity to really at a very young age to be in front of a lot of people a lot of the time. Um, and uh, that's a, that was a huge gift. Welcome to Beyond the Book Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Bogelinter. Each week, I invite you to take a journey with me to take a look at what happens beyond a range of books and what inspires some of today's great Jewish authors. If you're an author, or if you know an awesome author who would like to come on the show, please reach out to me at info at intentionaljew.com. Speaking about Intentional Jew, this podcast is sponsored by Intentional Jew Podcast Network the greatest Jewish podcast network creating great Jewish content. We're always updating and adding new content, new shows. So check it out at intentionaljew.com. Today we have Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author Moshe Gersh, the author of the book, It's All the Same to Me, which is a Torah guide to inner peace and the love of life. This is a really awesome book, um, a beautiful expression of, of Moshe's life, which we'll hear more about um, in the episode. We'll hear about how he grew up, uh, how he balances and, and deals with you know, his previous life and things he's done and how that helps him propel him further in this life and what, he's, what are the choices he's made today. So uh, without further ado, I bring you Rabbi Moshe Gersht. Okay. So today, welcome to Beyond the Book, um, a podcast where we explore Jewish authors and what goes on beyond the book and what goes on to bring the book and to make the book um, come to life. We, we see books on shelves, we maybe even read books, but we don't see the authors and we don't see what the beauty of what they have to offer. So that's, uh, so welcome, welcome Rabbi Gersh to Beyond the Book. Thanks, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here. Rabbi Gersh is a teacher, a speaker, an author, we were trying to place, and I, I wonder if that has something to do with uh, his personality and who he is that doesn't like to be stuck in one place, but that he's always moving, he's always trying something new um, and something fresh. So that's, he's got many different titles, many different um, ways that he expresses himself. Um, I think on his own, I would call him maybe a, a spiritual guide and somebody who helps um helps us understand ourselves and to live, live more happy and live and be more successful. I, I think that's very kind words and uh, I, I'm happy if any of those things are true. <laughs> is there, is there any, is there any title that you're the most comfortable with? You know, I, I really dropped titles like a long time ago. Like I, if you, I, if you look on my wall, there was, there's a, uh, a board that has a bunch of different names and titles of things. At one point, I was trying to go through what it is that, you know, I, what, what am I? 
who am I? And this was, you know, a while ago. It's like speaker, teacher, author, die, da, 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 you go all the way down. And then in the end, it was like, I just want to help people. <laughs> you know, I just, I, you know, I want to motivate people to find their strengths and inspire people and awaken them to the truth of who they are and what life is about. And, and it comes with different hats and it comes with different modes of expression. And um, so I am a writer and I, and I do teach and I do, I do a lot of different doings. Um, but, uh, but I don't know. I think, I, I think we naturally like to put a title on things. We, we like to box things so that we can point to it and identify what it is. Um, but uh, I, I think I, it makes, I think us, we do it that, makes we, us feel comfortable if we have right, a definition, exactly. but mm-hmm. wh- what do you think? Like, what does it do for you to not have a title then the opposite? Like you're just Moshe or Aaron, you know, you're just, you're just a person. Um, does that, does that help you? Or do you find that that, in, that uh, inhibits you a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning I was, there were moments of fear where I was like, well, if I don't, I don't nail myself down to something. So I, does that make you nothing or does that make you open to everything? Um, and uh, I choose the latter. And of course, look, I, I'm a rabbi. So, you know, wherever I go, there's a lot of people who call me Rabbi Gersht. And, uh, but there are people who don't even know that I'm a rabbi and they just call me Moshe. And there's some people who know me as an author. And so they look at me as a writer. And there are people who know me from my social media stuff and they think that I'm a social media influencer. And, uh, and that's the beauty of life is that we're really, we're dynamic, right? And so if I find myself in a position where, you know, a title is important, so it's not, it's not important for me as maybe it would be important for the people that were there. And if it's important for them and okay, whatever. And so then until, until further notice when I'm in that place, so then I'll have that title. And, uh, and then if I'm not there anymore, then that title goes away. It's like clothing, right? So you wear different clothing at different events and, uh, and, you know, some things are appropriate in some places and they're inappropriate in other places. So uh, just kind of. Right. Kinda That's a great analogy as well. The clothing and the clothing and titles go sort of go hand in hand uh, in that sense where it's, where is it appropriate? That's a nice, uh, that's a nice idea. So Rabbi, Rabbi Gersh is the, uh, or Moshe Gersh, whichever, whichever we would like here, um, is the author of uh, his newest book. It's called It's All the Same to Me. And previously a book on, on, uh, Sukkis, correct? Yeah. I think I Sukkis met you inspired. once at, were, were you selling that book in, in the Moshav and Moshav Modin once? Yes, I think I, I met you and I said, <laughs> this guy has got guts because he stands up, he comes, it's Sukkis. He's in the right place, <laughs> the right time. And he makes, you know, you were just, you were just at something book. And I, I was, I was impressed by that person. I didn't realize it was you. But then when I saw the, the cover of the book, I said, I definitely have seen that person. And I think that to um that speaks that speaks a lot of a lot of who you are you know and what what you can do um is if you have the confidence to be able to do that that's so funny i i wish i remembered that experience <laughs> but uh, but i'm happy that you have it in your mind but you were you were there though right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i did i did it twice we did two different years we went there and did uh you know with a booth and a table and with all the, all the books out there and I, a lot of meet and greet and having conversations with people, sharing a lot of, you know, wonderful words of wisdom and different Torah. And, I'm not uh, sure just, if I came a- over to you. I'm not sure if I came over. I think I said hello, but I, I didn't engage that much. I was just watching from, from a side, from like, you know, from afar. Um, and, uh, and I was, I was impressed by that. By you. Um, okay. So can, can you give us just, you know, now we're discussing what you're at now and your titles now, but, 
give us a little background. Like, how'd you get to all these different titles, the speaker, the author, the, where, you know, where'd you come from and uh, what makes you, what makes you, you? Wow. That's a big one. What makes me, me, I guess what makes me, me is, is me uh, and, and, or me or Hashem, depending on which way you want to look at it, which, which side of the lens we're looking through. But uh, if you want to ask on at least the surface level trajectory of like, when I, when I landed in this body and we started, we started this journey. So yes, yeah, so I'm from, from Los Angeles, born and raised. Uh, my family started becoming religious when I was about nine, but, uh, the, but they had always sent me to, uh, you know, Jewish day schools and things like that. And so by the, by the time I got to high school, I was in a school called Valley Torah, which is the Chafetz Chaim branch in LA. And, and I was in a rock band that was like my life from 13 to 20, uh, those seven years, uh, I was a singer, a songwriter. Um, and it was a dream of a life you know, to be in high school and to run around and be on stage and play, play in front of hundreds, sometimes thousands of people a night and just a gift. Like it was so much fun. So I always was really creative and my parents really encouraged the creativity and, and those parts of my life. Uh, it didn't work out for my high school career because the Rosh Hashiva was not thrilled that I was in a successful rock band. Uh, and so in the end, I was asked not to return. And I understand today, looking back, I can understand that. But at the time, it was not so exciting for me. Um, and but that that allowed me to kind of be on this journey to figure out what life was about for me. Uh, my pa- My parents and brothers made Aliyah when I was 18. And then they they moved to Tzfat. So my family moved to Tzfat when I was 18. I spent another couple of years in LA pursuing music. We signed to a record label. We started putting out albums nationally. We, at the time when there were still CDs, we were like in every Target and Best Buy and Tower Records and all that stuff. And, and we were on tour. We were on tour with like a lot of really well-known popular bands at the time. And after a couple of years, we were about to put out what was at the time uh, and still is kind of like the last album we had together. Somebody had asked me this question of, you know, how long are you going to do this for? Which is a funny question to ask a singer because you kind of just figure that's what you do. And, and maybe that's my first experience of dropping titles because I always kind of saw myself as, oh, I'm a singer and, and that's what I do. Uh, and to, to even think beyond that was was new to me. And I basically said something to the effect of, we'll do this until we're successful and then we'll settle down. He said, when's that? And I said, when's what? He said, when is success? And I uh, basically told him to, uh, to go do something else and stop bothering me. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I thought about that a lot for the next couple of weeks and uh, realized that I'd never thought about what success was in life for, for me or in, in general. I just thought you were supposed to do what came naturally to you and I love to sing and I love to write and I love to to help people and I love to uh, make people happy by being on stage and seeing everybody get excited and uh, so I just I went for it that's what I did but I never thought about it and when I started thinking about what life was about and thinking about family and thinking about purpose and thinking about how I want my life to unfold that allowed me to make the the decision to actually stop everything that I was doing a very hard stop and uh, leave leave the band, leave that life, and totally, basically t- turn back to where I refused to look at while I was in high school and went to yeshiva here in, uh, in Yerushalayim. And then I spent the next 15 years learning in yeshivas here in Yerushalayim, to make a very long story short. <laughs> right? Right. Um, 
So 15 years is a long time, but that, that, that's what we did. And then along the way, so then I wanted to start sharing what I was learning. And so then it turns into writing and it turns into teaching and it turns into sharing and chaburas and groups and classes and outreach and yeshivas and all these different uh, opportunities to, to share the beauty. And I fell in love. I mean, you show up and you start learning Torah in a real way, um, not because you have to, but because you want to. And, you know, for me that when I think about the, the shift that can take place for someone in a lech lecha, I, I hear lech, lech lecha, right? Uh, the first thing that Hashem ever said to Avram, uh, lech means go, that means you don't have a choice, that's you need to, but lecha is for you, you have to find a way to want that. So mo- a lot of people have a lech, and, but you need to find the lecha, right, in your, in your journey, in your process. And uh, for me, that came uh, when I started my, my second round uh, at 20. Uh, and you just fall in love. It's it's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's it's everything. Right. I I just spoke to somebody about this. Just the finding your voice um, in Torah and being able to to express yourself. And we we had a long conversation about it on a on a previous pod. And it was like um, that's a that's a drive when when it's not dry and it's not just the the things you must do, but it's the things that you must do that you can turn into the the want to do and make it your own. Um, the lacha of it. That's that's when it mm-hmm. really become, comes alive for somebody. Did you uh, did you pursue anything else with music since uh, since your lech from uh, <laughs> from from singing? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the first five years. Well, that's not even true. Even when I first came, like a year later, I wrote a five song pop punk Jewish uh, sounding EP um, that's titled Facing East. I think it's still on Spotify. Um, with like a pop punk Lichadodi and Adon Olam and Havdalah and some other stuff. It was a lot of fun. And I went back to LA and I recorded that and we actually played it um, at the Universal uh, City Walk over there uh, with Eighth Day. And uh, and then we played a couple other shows while I was there. And then I came back to Yeshiva for my second year. And then after that, I think I took a break. I didn't, I didn't involve myself in music for about four or five years. But uh, one of my closest friends and a chavruso of mine for nearly a decade, um, Rabbi Moshe Friedman, who is, um, he's in HUK. Uh, he is a, I have no words to describe the genius. Uh, he's a lyrical genius, uh, just in terms of how he takes the deepest of ideas and puts them into like a beautiful poetry rap. Um, and him and I uh, started writing and recording albums together. We've done, we've done a few of those, and those are under the name the Living Wells, and then he recently re-put himself out as Rav Mo. Uh, he did a, a Hanukkah song, um, I right. think, called, uh, One Light, One More Than the Night Before, something like that, and uh, and I'm still writing with him now. So, uh, and outside of that, uh, my brother-in-law is a, is a musician. I've done a bunch of writing with him, Naftali Kalfa. He's got the Naftali Kalfa project, and um, and my other brother-in-law, Ari Green, you know, I've t- done some writing with him, and I, I mean, I, I write with a lot of people, but I've not, I haven't done anything kind of full force um that's not it's not the forefront of of my life so i guess you can't call me a singer but i sing right what was what are the things that you've obviously you you learned a lot by being a singer um then and if if you don't want to explore this it's fine but just fascinating i love the process of when people are um, i'm fascinated by the by the process of when people have been successful in in one area and then they don't necessarily leave it and they take it and they just readapt it and take what they've learned from that area and bring it back here. It could be 
um, you know, business and in culture and anything really that somebody could do that and then just readapt it. We see the strongest um, picture come, like play out when it's when it's from somebody who undergoes a change of religion and of of coming back towards um, their religion, their understanding of themselves, and now they take those that creative energy and just re um, readapt it. So, what are the things? That's something I'm fascinated by. People like you, people who can do that. Um, what are the things that you learned that you take with you that you learned from when you were in a rock band that you take uh, lessons that you learned then or or systems that you've learned that you can reapply? I mean, I love the question. I think that it's it's really insightful and true. For me, uh, I think it's kind of the the two the the two areas I I see it most pronounced when if you look at like the music the music part of my life and then the teaching part of my life is I don't I don't really see much of a shift other than how I sing my song right which is the reason why I I love to get up on stage and sing and play guitar and run around and have fun it was a fun thing to do but it was also uh, I was in love with the process in love with the 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 you know, the chord progression and, and the ability to sing and, and what that did for people. And I, I just didn't stop that, meaning instead of going to find something else to do, it was finding something else that I love and something else that I'm inspired by and passionate about. Uh, and I found for me, in my life at least, that when you allow yourself to live the things you love and to find the things that inspire you and give you passion you can you can find a way to make that work for other areas of your life meaning it doesn't just have to be a hobby right so for me I decided I wanted this to be my whole life so music was my life then and then I found the same type of experience in the world of Torah and then when I got up and started teaching and I had that similar you know feeling of being in flow and being in creative space and when, when you're getting insight for how, like what you want to say in, in the speech or the class or the talk and, you know, the same way that I'd get a hit of, you know, what I want to write next in the song, right? So it was really just allowing myself to take what was working for me and what was working for me always was uh, listening deeply to, to my own soul, to my own heart and to, to what gave me um, joy, you know, really using joy in a lot of senses of my compass, not, not like uh, superficial pleasure but like the joy that make the thing that makes you your song your your soul sing and and applying that so that's number one is that I, I never left that behind and I and I still allow that to kind of guide me today and thank God uh, for Torah because it also gives us you know parameters as to where that that exists in a way that's healthy and then uh, the second thing was I think just the the basic experience of accepting that Every part of our life as we go through it is there giving us some sort of tool for something else that comes down the line. And so the ability to spend seven years practicing getting up on a stage and learning to not have that stage fright or the fear or the bashfulness, uh, kind of the, in a lot of ways, the things that stop people from going and doing the things they're excited about. So. I don't know, maybe if I showed up at 20 and I started learning, maybe I would be afraid to get in front of a camera or get up on a stage or teach. And, um, it was a great opportunity to really at a very young age to be in front of a lot of people a lot of the time. Um, and uh, that's a, that was a huge gift. So to be able to carry that over was 
big blessing. And maybe the third thing, if there's a third thing, was because I ran the band and um, like I was the, the, the person who founded it, I was also the one who spent a lot of time at the time, all of social media was this thing called MySpace, which I don't even know if you remember that, but that was like oh, it was the me, first It was mainly one. music, right? Right. And so for us, that was, that's the first time we had real major exposure outside of where I'm from. And we, we garnered, you know, over 100,000 plays on our, you know, sound player, which was a lot at the time because it was the first of any kind like that. We had like 30,000 followers on on the page and but that all came from working really hard every night um you know people would go to bed and i'd be up till two three o'clock in the morning friending requesting and running around trying to make people know about it and then i kind of brought that over again over here that that the drive and the will and the, the kind of like the love of the process into my learning so like my nights in yeshiva also were to two three o'clock in the morning in learning and then when it came to putting out my book it was okay. So if that means, you know, pushing myself, you know, uh, it's different now. I'm older and have a family. So my responsibilities are different. So I'm not going till three o'clock in the morning every day, but you know, uh, when you're excited about something and you're passionate about something, you can allow yourself to, to go to places that maybe you wouldn't do before. So having that experience and seeing success in one model, you can then just bring that over into anything else you're doing, whether that's in the learning or that's in the writing or that's in the teaching or that's in the social media or that's in the videos. Everything, you know, the 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 content is different. The structure is the same. Right. Even right. It's interesting also if you revisit it after, you know, MySpace and the, the, the things that are similar between how to create content for, you know, MySpace and Facebook and Instagram, like, how you just see it evolve, um, being there all the way from the beginning in, in a, in, a, in the sense that you were actually using MySpace. you know, some people just dabbled in it, but didn't necessarily understand that you were using it all the way through. That's fascinating too. I just love the opportunity we have today. We live in such an amazing world where you and I can be miles and miles and miles away from each other, having this conversation and, you can, you can decide you have a message you want to share and um, an idea that's important and deep. And you know that there are people who are kind of vibrating at that frequency and who are looking for that type of message or that type of idea or that type of voice. And there's a platform for it. And there's many platforms for it. And so whether you're a, a YouTube person or, or a LinkedIn person or a Twitter or what, what, whatever platform you are, Facebook, Instagram, um, or even just having a website is already was like, you know, that was a big deal 20 years ago. Uh, but there's so much opportunity uh, to be able to 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 share and to kind of shine your light. I, I love it. I think we're in a very special time. Right. And I just I want to point out also that, that through your three you know lessons and things that you've learned and things that you've gained from from that experience, I think it's so important to just point out that you are you no matter what you're doing. There's a certain like essence there that that is that's there both when you're doing um that music this music it doesn't it's just the structure what you mentioned the structure of, of what kind of content where your parameters are um to what you're doing but you appreciate yourself and you appreciate what you what you were able to do i think that that also speaks a lot um very important and not not as, not so common that people appreciate what they were 10 years ago and what they were, what they did. And uh, a lot of times you find people you know, throwing that out and like, that was, that was who I was um, even without major changes in their lives. I, I, I do that myself. Like, you know, I was embarrassed of a or, or that, and, and that was, that's not who I am. But to the, when, when you actually come to appreciate yourself and, and how it built you and brought you up to where you are, 
that's when you can uh, you can truly unlock that creative power within you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, can, can you talk to me a little bit? So now that's like sort of in a nutshell, I'm sure, uh, what brought you here. But now can you talk a little bit about your, I, I, I would love to talk about both of your books. Um, maybe you could compare them a little bit and the, the difference, the different style or the different uh, maybe intended audience. I'm not sure what, where you find the difference, but just start with, you know, breaking that open, what, what they are and how they compare to each other. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate that. I think you're the first person who's asked me that. And out of all the, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts over the last few months, so this is it's nice, nice to bring up the other, other facets. Um, I think if I had to like go to one place where they diverge is um, kind of who I was, you know, timeline wise in the process of the writing and what was coming through me. That'll be the major, major difference. I think the, the first book I wrote almost seven years ago, and that took us inspired. And for me at the time, I I had this feeling that it was time to write. Uh, I'd, I'd kind of always known, uh, probably from my second year in Yeshiva, that I wanted to be involved in writing. Um, it's just something that I, the same way that I, I wanted to be involved in writing music, I wanted to be involved in writing uh, books and Sfarim and um, and sharing ideas in that way. Uh, and at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to write, but I knew that I wanted to write. <laughs> so I, uh, and, and at the time I was about five, I was probably married for about three years at the time. So, and I was probably in Israel at the time for about five years. So uh, I was really inspired at the time. I was learning a lot uh, with my Rebbe, Rebbe Gershenfeld, you know, once a week, you know, we were going through a lot of Deep, deep, deep ideas, a lot of Maral and Ramchal and Gra and Arizal and Zohar and all sorts of really, really deep, deep, deep things. And was really inspired. And I thought about, okay, well, where can you where can you contribute? Right? And a- asking myself, like, okay, Moshe, you want to write something, but like there's a there's books on everything. I mean, if you're Jewish, I mean, we're called the people of the book. I mean, it's like there's literally whether whether you're writing Svarim or anything, there's so much. But I, as I kind of went through things, I realized that there was nothing, and I was learning Masecha uh, Sukkah at the time. So, and I, I, I recognized that there was nothing. Maybe there was one book, um, but it was kind of like an older book. There was nothing on the holiday of Sukkot. There was nothing there. And when you see an opening, it's like, there's nothing there. How could it be? Uh, where is it? Where's, uh, where's the the book on on Sukkot? So I was really excited when I saw the the opening and I, I went out and bought basically anything that I could find, at least in, in Svarim in, in, in Hebrew, um, on the topic and on the, on the holiday and on the Indian. And I just spent months and months and months just learning it up as deeply and deeply as possible. And I was so excited. And, uh, and then I just started writing and I went, um, originally the idea was that I wasn't even going to write a book. I wanted to do like a translation. I wanted to translate a book that was already done. I was like, who am I to like give my own ideas? Like, you know, I'm just gonna just gonna translate something beautiful that was done and I actually chose a book by David Cohen. Um, I think it's called the Samach de Bechagecha. And it was a, a book on, uh, on Sukkis. And uh, I went to Mosaica Press, um, which is in Ramapei Chemish. And I met with uh, the uh, the editors over there and Rabbi um, Kornbluth and Rabbi Haber. And we sat down together and they liked the idea and they liked the book and we were like, okay, we're going to go for it. And I started writing. And after I wrote the first 
trial translation, I saw that I, I couldn't do it because every time, every, every sentence or every, every paragraph I went into, I had like a lot of insight that I wanted to share. So I started like writing all these other things in between and basically said like, just, you know, why don't you just write your own book on, on circus and, um, and use, use kind of these other things as springboards for conversation. And, and that's what happened. And it was such a fun process. And it was really exciting. And, and I wrote it, the, again, the language was written very, very much towards uh, a from Orthodox, you know, the yeshiva kind of minded community. It's written in like Ashkenazi yeshivish language. Um, uh, and, and it's really deep. It's really dense. Uh, that was one of the comments I got a lot about that book was, you know, it took me days to go through a chapter, you know, like it's a, it was, it's, it's, it's kind of like a dense, full, full, full uh, of Torah, which is great for the people that, that liked it. They loved it. Um, but for a lot of people, it was totally inaccessible <laughs> because it was written in a pretty high language. And I tried to put a, a good glossary in the back, right. For people who like didn't have access to it, but you already have to be inspired to some degree to pick up a book on a holiday that's seven days and, and, and you want to learn something deep. So that was that, that book. And now you fast forward, you know, six, seven years. And when the most recent book came out, it's all the same to me. Uh, that was coming on the heels of like a, a kind of like a second awakening that I had, right? If when I was 20, I had my first kind of spiritual awakening. So then down the line, going through my own, process in life, recognizing what I felt was really important, kind of like if I'm going to choose one, one message to share that's really, really powerful, and really, really big, and, um, and hopefully has an impact, not just in the world, but on myself, meaning like, it was this book is really a lot of the work that, you know, I, I've moved through and um, more than just that I've moved through kind of like that, I just, it's, it's my resonance, right, of, it's not just ideas that are out there, but it's a lot of what's going on inside. And, and I didn't want to limit that to a particular audience. Now, no matter how you write, you're going to limit, you're going to limit by right. definition, but, um, but I wrote it in as broad a way as possible um, because I feel like there's a big need for this, this particular book, which is really all about, you know, in our, in our language, we call it a Muna. Um, but if you go all the way deep in, it's, it's really about, being in alignment with, you know, the, the source of, of all everything, right, in any given moment. So whether you call that Hashem or God or consciousness or Kaddish Baruch Hu or, you know, I, it, it, the, the language becomes less important when you're living in the experience of that reality. Uh, and I felt it was really, you know, time. I just felt it was time for Torah to kind of be able to take a place in that space of uh, more spiritual self-help. Um, which when I looked at the landscape and I see uh, a lot of different spiritual paths in that, in that space in the world, I, I didn't see uh, a Torah voice and I felt that there was an opportunity the same way that I kind of saw that there was an opportunity to write a book on Sukkot because there's no books on Sukkot. There was kind of an opportunity to join a space that had a vacancy. Um, and, uh, and thank God it's been a really amazing process. And do you feel that you were successful in making it accessible to to the widest audience that you could? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's if that was the goal, is, as, as widest audience that you could, yeah. Um, one can clothe all of these things in different language, right? And you could you can decide to take this and make it maybe a little bit broader. But at some point, 
I feel we run the risk of diluting the message and losing the potency of what's there. And I didn't, the goal wasn't to write a book that spoke to as many people as possible, but to write the book in a way that the people who were looking for this type of book could get this book no matter where they're coming from. So I could have maybe written the book differently um, and maybe that would have hit more numbers or people, but that wasn't the goal. The goal is not to impact more people, but to help people who are searching for this type of message, this type of frequency. Did you find that you're able, like I know you go on, you know, podcast tour <laughs> in a sense that you're on and, and it's diverse. It's not just, um, you know, Jewish religious uh, podcasts. You go on a, multiple different, uh, an array sort of, of spiritual kind of self-help. It depends where you're, you know, who, who they are, but it could, uh, it could be any of those. And do you find that it's, you're able to express like the, the icker message, we'll call it the main message that you're trying to do without diluting it, um, even in, in podcast and conversation form? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope so. I, I think you, you know, things at the end of the day, I want to relate to the person who I'm speaking to. So even though I know that every person has their audience, I can't, you know, I find it hard, I find it hard to think about all every single type of listener that's going to be out there. Um, but just, you know, when I see a podcast, I see it as an opportunity to connect with like, you know, with you Aaron, and connect with anybody who I'm speaking to. So, um, you know, I, I was on a radio show the other day and the guy came on there and he prefaced with, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in any of this stuff. So let's have a conversation. Right. <laughs> so, so that, you know, when your whole thing is about God <laughs> and the conversation starts off with, I don't believe in that. So, yeah, we're going to have a different conversation. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm in the business of proving things to people. I'm not here with proofs. I'm not, I'm not trying to change, you know, the way you think by holding a, a, a you know, a, a something over your head. This is not Harke Gigis. That's not, that's not the way that I've done things. It's much more Purim oriented. It's a, a Kabbalah Me'ava and that, that's just being honest with who I am and what I've always been and who I am and what I do. Uh, so for me, what that's going to look like is if a person comes and starts the conversation with me like that, so all of a sudden we're going to talk about why it's an intelligent decision to choose living in a way that's grateful and joyous and peaceful as opposed to in fear and um, frustration and anger. And we'll, we can, we'll, we'll shift over into maybe the emotional space because as far as I'm concerned, it's all connected anyway. It's all one. Um, so again, so I'm not in the world of proving, but I would I would say that my business is more in the world of reminding or reminding people of maybe what's somewhere deep down they already know. Um, it already resonates with something that they already experience. And, um, and it's trying to just, you know, be an assist uh, to, to assist in uh, an awakening, um, a realization in, in somebody else. Uh, and that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what kind of language you use. I mean, you're not trying to force somebody into a box. You're trying to help. I mean, that that's really the word that, you know, kept coming to me over and over again over the last few years, which is there's a lot of ideas that are true, but they don't necessarily help they don't necessarily help somebody if they're not if they're not holding there, right? Or if they don't believe that or if they don't understand that, or that's not the language they would use. And therefore, although the the idea can be true, uh, 
but it's not a helpful thing for that individual. And, and I, I think for me, right, my, in, in terms of the way that I see my calling is I want to be able to help people and assist them get closer and closer to what it is to live. I mean, our, our language is in Tveikas to Hashem, right? So I want, I want that in, in, if you're living in a fear-based reality um, where, you know, I like to tell people all the time, the two most important things at any given moment of your day is what you believe about yourself and what you believe about the world you live in, right? So if, if you have a low, um, a low experience or a low belief in who you are, right? And, or you have, or you don't believe in a, a, a world or universe that's supportive of you and your ideas, right? If, if there's no Hashem that's taking care of everything, if there's no management and organizing intelligence that's involved in this reality, it's going to be a very different life. Um, and you want people to live at the, at the most optimum level and therefore raising those two, two bars. And, th- and that's still like very surface levels, your beliefs. You really just want to expand a person's entire what we call das, right? You want to expand their consciousness to see a deeper world, to live a deeper life, to to be able to rise above the things that hold us down. You know, mala arts day Hashem. That's kind of that's kind of the vision. And I think that everybody's everybody wants the same thing. If you boil all intentions down in the world, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. We want to feel love. We want to feel happy. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel clarity. We want to feel self-realization. We want to feel connected. We want to feel purposeful. We want to feel like there's meaning. Like all, all of the things, this is like a universal experience. Um, and that experience is an experience of being connected to one's inner self, which is what we're going to call our soul or neshama. And even deeper than that is the source of everything, which like we said, you know, when you're connected to Hashem, that's everything flows from the place of the state of consciousness that you're in. So that, that's really the goal. And, uh, and I hope that, you know, in conversation, we, we, even though, even if you have a 1%, you know, of a movement of a change of being able to, that's a, that's a great deal. Right. I love that. Um, that ability, that ability and the, the, the goal really to take a concept, which is so deeply rooted in, uh, you know, in our words, in our vernaculars, Amuna and, and, and the understanding of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and to take that and to break it open, take away the labels as you were speaking about, and sort of make that a universal concept, which is um, helpful to so many, so many more people. Even just the concept of believing in something and living towards a goal, um, towards an idea like that, is is um, a great goal to be able to take that and make the universal. Were there any books or authors or or any kind of Torah that um, had done that from the 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 Jewish world that took concepts that exist and tried to make it um, more more universal, more widespread, and uh, that you were able to take inspiration from or model after? Um, uh, I don't think so, actually, unfortunately. Uh, maybe, I mean, again, they were written, I think uh, if we're looking from within those farms, for me, it's really going all the way back to Hasidus and back even further back maybe to Maral. I spent a lot of time in Maral, a lot of time in Hasidus. And um, what's interesting is that in in a sense there were certain Svarim of the Maral that tried to do that as well. He was trying to answer, you know, I, I, I we learn uh, um, Baragola and Baragola. Yeah, and and I, we learn it with with people who have who are stuck in in a certain culture in different cultures and. Um, it's so interesting to them because they have all the questions that the morale is trying to come and answer. And then they understand the beauty of, of what he's trying to do. Um, I think he also tried to take in, in a different sense, but he took Kabbalistic ideas or deeply rooted in something that is not 
you know, we don't understand and he made it understandable and he put a system to it that made it more, um, more universal, more widespread, more easily understood, maybe is the better word. But that, so that, that itself is, uh, an inspiration. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think if I had to think of more recent books, uh, people that I've like really connected to are, um, the Chalban, um, the Tal Chaim, who he passed away about a year ago, Shalom Zechotzerakavracha, and, um, uh, uh, Rav Itamar Schwartz, Bilvavi Mishkanevna, who was uh, is just amazing. His work work is unbelievable. Um, I've, you know, you know, in the in the world that I came from, a lot of time in Rav Dessler and Rav Chaim Friedlander and that that kind of thought system. Uh, and I'm th- thinking in terms of just like you know, kind of like English things things that were written in this vernacular, like kind of that opened it up. I'm not really familiar with all that much. You know, a, a very good. I think that one of the people who opened me up to the idea of this and has been a really great friend of mine um, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, opened opened my mind to thinking bigger in that sense was uh, uh, somebody named uh, Rabbi Daniel Katz, who's uh, just a very, very special, special human being who's doing amazing work. So you asked about books, so he didn't write anything yet, as far as I know, um, but his his ability to to look into the Svarim and, and, I, and I've learned with him hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, just like, you know, sitting in, with him and, and, and a couple other really good friends of ours. We have a Chabura that we've been learning on and off together for about six years. And um, just amazing to see how how he looked at, at, you know, every word in every line of every safer that we would look at was, okay, but what does that mean when we translate it back into human experience? And what does that mean when we translate this back into our life and the way that we live it? And what does that mean when we, you know, and, and just... You know, being around somebody like that who really took Torah seriously, not just to be about, you know, um, a set of ideas, but this is a spiritual practice. This is an avoda. It's avoda, Sashem, right? It's an avoda means that we're, we're here to live it. And so um, that that really, that opened me up in a deep way. And I'm, I'm like eternally indebted for that, you know, experience and for having that group of people in my life. Terrific. That's That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I feel like you opened, you know, share, shared a lot about yourself and that was, uh, that was special to me. And, um, if you have any, you know, last messages or anything you want to tell the audience, then, uh, feel free. It's a open mic as they call it. <laughs> well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think to be really real, if there's a message, we have to be real, we have to be authentic. Tamim tiyam Hashem alokecha, right? To be tamim means to be authentic, means to be real, means to not try to be something that we're not, uh, and to really embrace who we are and what we are, and where we're at, and that's a, and wherever we're at is exactly where we're supposed to be. Uh, when you can embrace that, then you can then you can grow instead of trying to be something that we're not. Uh, Hashem loves us all right where we are. Hey, terrific! Um, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so going to. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. This project is a creative project of mine, and I want to know that it resonates with people. The best way to speak to me and to let me know is by subscribing to this channel on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, listening, finding me on YouTube, Beyond the Book YouTube channel, and leave a comment that you enjoyed it. The more feedback I get, the more I'll do. And if you enjoyed it, even just a simple liked it 
works for me. We'll see you next week on Beyond the Buck.